We want to thank you today for joining us at Truth Chapel's podcast. I pray this word would bring you life. I pray that it would edify you, encourage you, and enlighten you. If you have a moment, please subscribe and leave us a review. We will be so grateful. God bless and let this word speak to your heart. Today I want to talk a little bit about the Christmas story and what it all really means. And most of the, Christ, the Christmas story is um, just conjecture because we don't have a ton of information. We don't really know all the intricate details of the story and there's a lot to be, there's a lot left on the table trying to figure out exactly what happened that, that night. We call it silent night, but I'm pretty sure there was not a whole lot silent about it. And Luke will be the one who writes the majority of the story and gives us the best picture, the best view of what the Christmas story is, the birth of Jesus. And as Luke writes in Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, he says, And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. This taxing was first made by Serenius when Serenius was the governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, every one into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea, into the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David. To be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. So it was that while there were the days were accomplished that she should be delivered, she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. There were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field. They were keeping watch over their flocks by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid, very afraid. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. This is the most we have of the story. There's a few things that we can glean from this. We know that Joseph and Mary were on a journey back to Bethlehem so that Joseph, who's the head of the house, could be taxed. It was a tax on the entire world at the time. And at the time, this is what countries would do. They would take a census. They would find out who all 
was alive and who all was there, and they made everybody go back to their city or town or place or country of origin and register for the census. And that way, the government could figure out how much money they really had, the things that they needed to do and get done. They, they, they would be able to tax the people. They had a good census of who all was still there and who all was still alive. And it's amazing to me to think that God would move all of these people so that two people could be in the right place at the right time. Because it was the prophet Micah who would prophesy to us that Bethlehem, even though you be small, from you will come a savior. And over 700 years later, God moves thousands and millions of people all of these people moving throughout the land just so two people could be at the right place at the right time. This morning, I want to talk to you about this subject. I want to talk about he made a way in a manger. We sing the song, Away in a Manger, No Crib for a Bed. But I come to tell you today that he is not a way in a manger. He is the way in a manger. God made a way in a manger. Today we have this manger that the Hawkins so perfectly built for us. I want to thank God for the Hawkins always decorating and making our building and church look nice and beautiful. They do such a great job. This is probably not what the manger looked like. This is a good representation, but if you do the research, uh, the theologian Origen was his name. He went to Bethlehem, probably 32 AD, and he found the place where they say Jesus was born. Later, years and years later, over 200 years later, Helena would come, the wife of Constantine, and she would visit that place, and her and Constantine would build a, a building, a church, on that cave. It was a cave. Many of the shepherds in that time and many of the people in that time would use caves to house their animals. And a manger was basically a, a stone that was just carved out to create a trough so they could put grain into that trough and the animals could eat from that trough. Now God has moved all these people and God has done all these things. And you know, the power of inconvenience sometimes, it feels inconvenient to us, but maybe God is doing something that we can't see. And maybe God is working on something that we have no idea what God is doing. And many of our lives feel that way sometimes. It's like, God, what are you doing? Why are you moving me here? Why, why are these things happening? Why, why all this confusion? But God may just want to have you in the right place at the right time. Mary and Joseph were in the right place at the right time in the city of Bethlehem. The Bible tells us in the book of Luke that she was great with child. That means she was very pregnant. She was about to have a baby. And it just turned out that when they were in Bethlehem, the days were accomplished for her pregnancy. I don't know if Joseph and Mary had planned to have a baby in Bethlehem. Maybe they did, maybe they didn't. Here's what I know for sure. They did not plan to have a baby in a cave. They did not plan to have a baby in a barn, so to speak, or they did not plan to have a baby where 
animals would be. Uh, sanitization, level zero. I'm sure they didn't plan that. They probably had a plan to have the, the baby in Nazareth, you know, where they had friends and family, and this is where Joseph lived at the time in Nazareth of Galilee. It's where he was from. It's where he lived. He was a carpenter there. We knew it wasn't because they were just poor and broke, because they had reservations at the end, but there was no room in the end. Sort of a prehistoric hotel. But there was no room there. They could have paid for a room, but there was no room there. And so now they're forced into this place. They don't want to be there. They don't, they don't want to have this experience. They want to be surrounded by mamas and daddies and aunts and uncles and cousins. They want to be surrounded by family and they want to be comfortable. But you know what? When God does a work, and any time that God has ever done a work in my life, it's never really been comfortable. Matter of fact, in the most comfortable times in my life, in the most comfortable times in my life, I always feel God trying to push me out of it trying to push me into an uncomfortable place because he wants to do something in me. And when God really wants to do something in you and he wants to do something in me, he always pushes us to an uncomfortable place. And this, this place, this night, this holy night was definitely uncomfortable. It was the highest level of uncomfortability. It was not chosen. It was not thought about. Here they are in this barn, animals all around them, probably animal droppings all around them, probably um, weeping and crying and saying, why couldn't this happen when we were still in Nazareth? And I'm sure Mary's probably thinking, oh, this is going to happen right now. This is happening right now. There's, I can't stop this. If there's ever a woman in this room that's ever had a baby, you know when it's time, it's time. And you can't just be like, oh, time out. Let's give it a week. Let's give it two weeks. No, when the baby's coming, the baby's coming. So they're in an uncomfortable place, an unfamiliar place. And this most uncommon place with really common people, nothing fancy, no kings or priests. If today, if me and you could write the story and we could have all the details of the story and me and you could write it, we'd have them in a palace surrounded by kings and wrapped in royal linen purples and golds, that's what we would do. That's, that's how we would see it. Matter of fact, when the wise men came much later on, the wise men went to the palace because they thought, well, we read the script and unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulders and he shall be called mighty God, prince of peace, everlasting father. I mean, so he's got to be at the palace. So when the wise men came, they, they did not come to the barn. They did not come to this quaint place. They, they went to the palace because they were looking for a king. They were looking for a crown. They were looking for purple and gold. They brought gifts with them to give to this baby. But they were in the wrong place. Thank God the star was still shining and they found the place where the baby lay. But when they showed up, he wasn't there. A lot of times, even in this life, me and you, we look for God in the places that he's not. We look for God in the comfortable, and we look for God in the pristine, and we look for God in the clean, and we look for God in the prepared, and we look for God in the blueprints. But sometimes God's just not where we thought he was. Sometimes God comes in the ugly and the 
dirty and the broken and the wounded and the filthy. Sometimes that's where he shows up, and that's where he does his best work in obscurity. Not, not on the screen, not, not in fanfare, and not in beauty and splendor. He is beautiful, and he is splendid. But God does his best work sometimes in the most unfamiliar, uncomfortable, and dirty places. The message of that night, so amazing to me that only shepherds would hear it. The first people to ever hear the gospel, shepherds. If you do the research, you'll understand that Bethlehem was the place where they raised lambs for the sacrifice in the tabernacle, in the temple. All the lambs that were sacrificed in the temple in Jerusalem were raised in Bethlehem. It was a city of shepherds. It was a place of shepherds. This is where shepherds lived. Matter of fact, when David was crowned king, it was in Bethlehem. That's where he was from. And David was a shepherd, a man after God's own heart. So this angel who cannot contain himself has to tell somebody, comes to shepherds in the field. And the message is splendid and glorious. And he says, guys, this night, a Savior is born in Bethlehem. A Savior to all people. No one left out. The angel could have said, a Savior for the house of David, a Savior for the people of the Hebrew nation, a savior for Israel, but that's not the message. It's not in there. The message is he'll be a savior to all people, no one excluded. All people were saved by this night because God made a way in a manger. The shepherds, as they're listening to the angels talk, the angel says, you're going to find the babe. And here's what they say. They say, here's a sign for you. This is a sign. This is how you know that he'll be the one. Two things, because they're uncommon and they're unheard of. Today we see this manger up here and it kind of, you know, it's, it's beautiful. It's pretty. It makes sense. But when the shepherds are about to hear the sign, this will be a sign for you. It's going to rock their world because they've never heard of this before. Two things. He will be wrapped in swaddling clothes. Shepherds know what swaddling clothes are. They understand it. Because swaddling clothes are the rags that shepherds use when a baby lamb is born. You can do your own research on this. When a baby lamb is born, these shepherds, these are lambs for sacrifice. So they must be without spot or blemish. And baby lambs are clumsy. Walking around in the fields, rocks and thorns and thistles, walking around in the barn things to bump into. So what the shepherds would do is they would take these rags, they called them swaddling clothes, and they would take these rags and they would wrap them around the legs, the upper um, shoulder and the legs of the lambs. And then that way, as they walked around in their clumsiness at a young age, they would not accrue scars and bruises and wounds that would make them unfit for sacrifice later on. So when... The angel said, he'll be in swaddling clothes. They're thinking, lamb's rags? I mean, no baby had ever been wrapped in swaddling clothes. That's not what you do. You wrap a, you wrap a baby, you know, in some, in, some, in, in some nice baby gap. I don't know, does Lululemon have a baby line? I don't know. 
I mean, we preserve the best for the babies. But the angel said, you will know, you will know that he is Christ, the Savior, the Lord, because he will be wrapped in swaddling clothes. That probably blew their minds. A baby in rags for a, not only a baby, but the Savior of the whole world wrapped in rags, reserved for lambs. Little did they know that he was the lamb wrapped in swaddling clothes. The lamb, the Bible says, slain from the foundations of the earth. But the second thing probably took them away by surprise because the first sign was that he'll be wrapped in swaddling clothes. But the second sign is he'll be lying in a manger. They know what a manger is. This is their livelihood. This is their life. They know a manger is a feeding trough for animals. I mean, no matter how beautiful we think it is, guys, think about this. If you've ever been to a petting zoo and put a little bit of that food in your hand and held it out to the, the mouth of a little lamb or a horse or a donkey, and they <laughs> ate it up off your hand, they left you a little surprise in there. Snot and slobber and gook. And you, in petting zoos today, they got, you know, little pumps all around them, so as soon as they eat off your hand, you can go get some sanitizer. But this is a feeding trough. Imagine the slobber and the snot in this trough as animals eat the grain. The shepherds have to be taken back. Whoa, time out. Our Savior, the Lord God Almighty, Christ the Lord, they laid him in a what? Called defect. Let's get the police out here. You can't wrap this baby in rags and put him in a but he's the bread, the bread of heaven in the manger, the bread of life laid out in a trough. And he made a way in that manger. He would say, I am the way, and I am the truth, and I am the light, and no man comes unto the Father but by me. See, the ultimate, the ultimate deal, deal here is that no matter what we think Christmas is about, no matter if we think it's about silver bells or fat guys in red pajamas. It, does, it doesn't matter what you think it's about. Christmas is about a baby who was God manifest in the flesh. Come down to earth. Born as we. When the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons, Galatians 4, 5, 6. This is it. He's here, made of a woman, made under the law. Why? To redeem us. The Savior, he made a way in a manger, a filthy place, a dirty place, not a place prepared, not a place that you would lay a baby, not a place that you would put a child. Definitely, definitely, definitely not a place that you would put a king. There's no way I would have put my child in a feeding trough. But if I'd have known my child was going to save the world, my child, and when you, you know, we sing the song, Mary, did you know? I got news for you. Mary knew. The angel told her. He shall save his people from their sins. She knew. That's why she told the disciples, hey, whatever he tells you to do, do it. Because I know who he is. 
I know what he's got. When she laid that baby in that manger, it was not perfect. It was not what she wanted. It was uncommon. But you know, God always uses the uncommon. And God always uses the common. Regular people. There's no princes in this story. There's no kings in this story. No, no, no. It's just, it's just regular people. A carpenter and his spouse wife. Shepherds who, if you do the research, you'll see that they call the shepherds the people of the dirt, the dirt people. That was their nicknames. They're just regular people, just workers, just nothing fancy. Because God, God doesn't need fancy. Matter of fact, God's not looking for fancy. God's looking for availability. Oh, hallelujah. If he would have had room in the end, he would have been born in the end. But there was no room, so he said, hey, I'll, I'll, I'll be born wherever it is. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And no matter where I'm born, it'll have a type and shadow of my glory and my grace and my mercy. What we see is we see God making a way in a manger, a dirty place. I believe that there's so many types and shadows in this story. But I believe this manger just represents us. It represents our filthy lives, our filthy rags. We're not ready. Do you think you're ready for God to come and live inside your life? Think you can clean it up enough? You think you can prepare yourself enough to let a holy God sit down in a lowly place? A holy angel? Speaking to lowly men, a holy God laid in a lowly manger, a holy God being born to lowly people that he will call a carpenter his father and a young teenage girl his mother, blessed among women. No, there's no way. Your righteousness, the Bible would tell us, is like filthy rags. Your righteousness is like filthy rags, but don't forget that Jesus was wrapped in those filthy rags when he was born. Don't forget that that's where he wants to be. Don't forget that he said, I'll meet you at the point of your need. Don't forget that he'll come to the darkest place and the lowest place. A holy God is not above stepping down to a lowly place and saying, hey, I'll take up residence here because I'm more concerned about your soul than I am the surroundings. I want to save you. I want to redeem you. I want to bring you out. I want to bring you in. And no matter how unworthy you feel today, there's no way, there's no way that your unworthiness could keep him away. I could imagine Mary and Joseph just trying to clean it, you know, wiping it off, maybe getting some straw and just brushing it out, maybe getting some water and dumping it in there and trying to get it as clean as they possibly could. No matter how much you clean it, it's just a trough. You can, you, can, you can put lipstick on a pig, baby. That's bacon. Still bacon, baby. You had that, you had that million dollar bacon at the first watch? My God. That's the devil right there. You can't clean it enough. There's nothing you can do to prepare this. There's no way you can make this fit enough for a king, fit enough for a savior. Fit enough for a prince of peace. 
the everlasting father? You're going to put him in a trough? No. This is not good enough for him. But when I look at it, I look at our souls. And we can clean. Absolutely, that's fine. We call that repentance. It's when I look at my filth and I do my best to clean it. I say, Lord, I'm sorry for my sin and I'm sorry for my faults and I'm sorry for the things that I know about and I'm sorry for the things that I don't know about. I'm sorry for the times that I failed you. I'm sorry for the things I said, the places I went, the activities I was involved in. God, I, I'm sorry for that. I apologize for that. I'm no good. I'm a sinner. I'm undone. That's us doing our best to clean. Got to get it ready for but you can only clean what you know that he'll sit down in. If you don't believe that God wants to come into your life no matter how messed up it is, then you'll never see this moment. You got to know that God wants to make a way in a manger. He wants it. It's the perfect location for him. It's the perfect place for him. He's been there before. He'll be there again. We used to sing an old song back in the day, and it I can't sing that. I don't know if you noticed that, but I sound like Optimus Prime right now. <laughs> I could shoot some commercials right now, ladies and gentlemen. Um, this is my best time to do my James Earl Jones voice. Simba. <laughs> you deliberately disobeyed. I can't sing right now, but we used to sing a song years ago in camp and said, there's bigger sins than that beneath the blood. Darker deeds by far that he's forgiven people of. So don't let Satan try to lie to you and tell you and convince you that his love is not endless because there's bigger sins than that beneath the blood. You got to believe that God wants to come sit down in your life. And when you believe that, then you'll, you'll do your best to clean. God, I repent. Forgive me of my sins. Let me clean it. Let me, let me, let me prepare a place for you, Lord. And then try to wash it. We call that baptism, going down in the water, being buried with him in baptism, and then being filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost that made God himself, sitting down in a manger. He made a way in a manger. Are any of us worthy? Pass a mic around today, and we could all tell you our stories, our failures, our hang-ups, stuff that we struggled with and stuff that we still struggling with today. Amen. Ain't nobody, ain't nobody here that has a pedigree that would say, oh yeah, you you deserve that. No one, no one in here can say, oh yeah, well, my past is this, and you know, my mom and dad did this, and I got all no one could stand the day and say, Oh yeah, definitely, God definitely wants me. Because I'm all that and a bowl of chips. No, 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 no. You're just as dirty as that manger is. But that's where he came. That's where he came. That's where he told, they, they told the shepherds, that's where you're going to find him. You're going to find him in the broken place. You're going to find him in the dirty place. You're going to find him in the wounded place. You're going to find him in the place that no one else wants to go. You're going to find him in the place that no one else could even believe. You're going to find him in a place where you could not imagine he would be. And today I'm telling you that that same Jesus that was born in that manger, that made a way in that manger, is making a way today for you. 
He's still Savior. He's still Lord. He's still Christ. Because when you think about it today, when you think about it today, every day is Christmas. Every day. Because every day, God can do something great today. Matter of fact, let me say it like this. Not every day is Christmas Day. Any day can be Christmas Day. Today may be the worst day of your life. You may have come in here with all kinds of problems, hang-ups, troubles, trials, past, history, junk in the trunk, skeletons in the closet, whatever. But there's a Jesus in this room today who said, I'll sit down right in the midst of all that. Come, come on, lay me down right in the midst of all. I'll make a way. I'll make a way. He's a way maker. Hear me? He's a way maker. He'll make a way in a manger. He'll pick you up. He'll turn you around. He'll place your feet on solid ground. And, and you'll never be seen the same way. Today, when I talk about a manger, it's hard for us to see it as a dirty place. Isn't it hard for you to imagine as being a dirty place? Because for so long, the manger has been such a beautiful thing that we think about, and we see it on postcards, and we see drawings of it. We see this beautiful, this wonderful blanket here. When we, when we think of a manger, we think of a beautiful thing. Why? Because that's where they laid the baby. And whatever he touches becomes beautiful. It can never be viewed the same way again. No, when, when I say manger today, when I say him, the babe lying in a manger, man, we just think of this glorious, beautiful picture. Why? Because anything that he touches becomes something beautiful. And there's some testimonies in this room. If we could have seen you when God found you, we might say, hmm. But today, whatever God touches becomes beautiful. We'll never see it the same way again. It'll never be the same way again. It'll never be the same way again. Because God makes something beautiful out of the ugly. Today we, and I'm, I'm not far from being done. Music can come. Get ready. Today I want you to know that God wants to make a way for you. I don't really care about your story. I know people tell me all the time, oh, pastor, if you knew, you know, if you knew my story, if you knew, if you knew me, you knew. And, and you know what? I understand. I understand that saying. I get that. I understand. Because, you know, you do need to know somebody to kind of figure out, you know, what's going on in their world. I get that. But, but, but today, my, <clears throat> my goal is not to really know about you because, because I know him. And that's all I need to know. Paul will say it like this. Paul said, when I come into your place, he said, I don't want to know nothing among you except Christ and him crucified. That's all I want to know. Just tell me about Jesus. I don't want to know all yours. Just tell me about what Jesus did for you. I don't want to know all the stuff. I don't, I don't really care about your personality and what, what happened. And I do care. I hope you understand what I'm saying today. It's not that I don't care. You know, we do want to know. We understand that your, you know, everything in your past leads up to this moment. We get that. However, God is no respecter of persons. He's no respecter of places either. If he can lie down in a manger, filled with the slobber and spit of some wild animals, 
be born in a born in a barn or a cave, surrounded by animals and feces and God knows what else. If that's where he chose to come, if that's where he chose to make his appearance, he's telling us something. He's showing us a type and shadow. He's showing us that it doesn't matter how bad or how awful or how wounded or how broken or how messed up it is. I'll come. I'll sit down in that. My presence will be there. Today, no matter what you're going through, he wants to make a way for you. Today, if you repent of your sins, be baptized in Jesus' name, Filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, he will take up residence in your heart. Because there's no way to see this moment, this beautiful moment when God made a way in a manger. And I think about the Spirit of God coming to live in the hearts of man. Wrapped in flesh. The lowest of the low. Made from dirt. From dust I came and from dust I shall return. God coming down to live in the hearts of man. It's a messed up world we're living in and it's full of messed up people. And there's a lot of stuff going on in our world today, a lot of stuff happening in our society, emotionally, spiritually, physically, politically, you name it. There's a lot going on. And there may be a lot going on inside of you the same way. Friends, family, relationships, marriages, Struggles and trials and tribulations, financial, emotional, mental, whatever it may be. You may think there's no way God would come into this. But that's exactly where God wants to come into. That's exactly what God wants to do. God does not mind sitting down in a mess because he'll make it beautiful. He's never met a manger that he wouldn't want to lay down in. He's never met a filthy heart that he don't want to touch. He's never found a filthy place that he said, hey, I got plans for this. You ought to let him in today. You ought to say, Lord, I don't even know. I don't even know what I'm doing here today. I don't even understand the protocol or procedure. I don't know all this, but I know that if I call upon the name of the Lord, I call upon the name of the Lord, something will happen. My life will begin to change. Something begins to shift. And in closing today, I want to talk about the message of the angels. And they said he'll be Savior, Christ, and Lord. Savior gives us acceptance. Because he's a Savior of the whole world. We're accepted in him. You don't, have, you don't have to have no kind of criteria, no pedigree. You're accepted. All people is what he said. All people. So you have acceptance. You don't have to feel less than or that God doesn't want me. No, you're accepted. And that word Christ, Savior is accepted. But that, that word Christ, that, that the flesh, that man of God, that human being, it not only gives us acceptance, but it gives us access 
because that high priest of Hebrews, he said, I stand before the throne continually. Access. So we can go to the throne boldly because of Christ. We, we have access through his body. Because there ain't no way to preach about Christmas and not at least talk a little bit about the cross. Because that broken body, the blood of that spotless lamb gives us access. It gives me access, gives you access. When you call on the name of Jesus, all the hell has to stop. When you call on the name of Jesus, all the chains have to break. When you call on the name of Jesus, every door has to open. Access. Christ gives me access. Yeah. No red tape. No red tape. No red tape. Jesus. Still is the way. He still is the truth. He still is the life. And that word Lord is authority. He's my authority. He's not just my savior and my God when the music's playing and the preacher's preaching and everything's going good. But he's my Lord when he wants to take authority over my life and say, hey, there's some places you can't go, things you can't do, things I need you to put away, some stuff I need you to lay down. Take the yoke of sin off of you and take my yoke upon you. For I am meek and I am lowly in heart. I have that authority because he's not only my, he's not only my savior and he's not only my Christ, he's my Lord. Tall people. He has the authority in my life. And because he has authority in my life, I have authority through him. That's right. I have authority through his name. That's why they told Peter when he said, Peter, listen, whatever you bind on earth, baby, it's going to be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth, it's going to be loosed in heaven. Why? Because I give you the authority. I give you the authority to call things that are not as though they were. I give you the authority through my name, through my blood, through my sacrifice. He made a way in a manger. Would you stand with me today? Every head bowed, every eye closed. And if you're in this room today and you never repented of your sins, today's a good day. And today, if you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, today's a good day. The water is ready. The robes are ready. We'll baptize you today. And if you've never received the gift of the Holy Ghost, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day. Every head bowed, every eye closed, Lord, we come before you right now. And I pray you to give somebody in this room strength to see that no matter what's going on in their world, that if you can make a beautiful, majestic picture of a lowly, filthy manger, what could you do in their life? What could you do in our hearts? What could you do in our minds? God, today I thank you for your sacrifice. Today, Lord, we remember what this is all truly about. Your glory, your presence, your grace, your mercy. That you came down and you walked among us. You came down. You robed yourself in flesh. And you became like as we. And you made a way. You made a way when there was no way. And God, I pray today as we prepare ourselves that you would forgive our sins. As we repent today, 
God, forgive me of everything I've ever done wrong. Forgive me of everything that I know about. Forgive me of things I don't even realize. Times I failed you, times I disappointed you, times I didn't do exactly what I should have. And I know when you told me to go right and I went left, you told me to go left and I went right. Things that I'm not proud of today, the things I'll probably tell, I'll never tell a soul, but I'll tell you, Lord, I'm sorry for those things. Forgive me. We want to thank you again for joining us on the Truth Chapel podcast. May you have a blessed day and walk in the favor of the Lord.